Debbie is the host of the Offbeat Life podcast, a top-rated travel podcast and website that helps individuals ditch the cubicle to become location independent. Her main focus is to provide meaningful and effective tools that will make location independence a lifestyle, not just a detour. As a podcast coach, Debbie helps experienced podcasters scale their online businesses through profitable podcasts, including yours truly. Yes, it's true. Debbie helped me land my first podcast sponsorship, my first significant podcast sponsorship. And once I learned how to make money as a podcaster, I've never looked back. In fact, I was able to quit my job in 2021 as a result of all the success that Debbie taught me. So I'm forever indebted and appreciative of Debbie's coaching. Debbie has partnered with brands like Johnson & Johnson, Visit Maine, and many other brands. A special shout out to our patron supporters who make producing this podcast possible including Jeannie D, Helen Z, Josie, Martine P, Nina E, Sleep With Me Podcast, and Tracy K. We invite you to help us reach our next goal of 50 patrons joining us on Patreon. When we reach 50 patrons, we will share a trailer to one woman of color hosted podcast you may not have heard about. As we all know, podcast discoverability is trash. (laughs) It is very difficult for us to find podcasts and we want to help change that. We want to regularly feature small trailers and small snippets of women of color hosted podcasts and we'd love your support to make that happen. Hey, maybe you'll find your new favorite show on this feed. Women of color are influential visionaries, moving the podcasting industry forward, impacting how we create and consume podcasts. But we often don't hear about their work, contributions, or rise to success. We believe it's about time these powerhouses are celebrated and acknowledged. So tune in every other week as we share the stories of women of color making big moves in front and behind the mic. You started podcasting in 2017. And I was just wondering, how has podcasting changed over the years? Definitely, there's a lot more information out there for podcasters. I mean, when I started in 2017, there were a lot of podcasters already, but now it's just so much more. And there wasn't a lot of information for you, especially if you did want to take it to the next level and not just kind of make this into a hobby. I mean, it's a great thing because now you're not just flopping around (laughs) and hoping things will work out. Yeah. I have seen a big focus on a lot of podcasters wanting to monetize their podcast for a variety of different reasons. I think one, monetization really helps with sustainability as well. Finances is an incentive to kind of keep going, but also just simply the cost of podcasting. 
Like, yes, you can do it on a shoestring budget, but there's a lot of tools and resources that add up. So I can definitely see a reason why folks are really focusing more on monetization these years. So I know that podcasting has played a big role in you being able to quit your job and adopt a location-independent lifestyle, location-freedom lifestyle. So when did you know in your journey that your podcast had the potential to take off and be more than what you were thinking as a beginner? I honestly didn't start the podcast as something that would hopefully take me out of my nine to five. I was just at a point in my life where I was really struggling to figure out where I wanted to be. I had what many people would call the American dream. I had a really great job. It wasn't even super stress. Well, it could be super stressful, but for me, it was just fine. But I knew I wanted something more. And I started it as kind of just a hobby to get inspiration from people who were location independent and had a freedom lifestyle. And what really kind of changed for me was around the six to eight month mark when I got approached by a brand and they wanted to sponsor the podcast. And I didn't even realize that I could make money off of it because every time I had spoken to a podcaster who had been doing it for years, they were like, well, you're too small. You can't make money off of this. You're not big enough. You're going to have to be like the top 1% to make any income from this. So when I got approached from a brand, I was like, okay, well, that was wrong. Now, how can I make this more sustainable and how can I make this into an actual business? So that's really where it changed for me was just that the first brand that approached me. Yes. Now, what was that feeling like when a brand approached you? Were you excited? Were you like scrambling to figure out what to charge and all of those things? I was freaking out. I was super excited and I just really wanted to do a good job. Luckily, I was in my journey when I was podcasting where I was talking to people who are making income from things that were not conventional. And I had spoken to one of the people that I had interviewed and who actually became a really close friend. And I just started asking him, which was Jacob Fu, him and his wife run this huge travel blog. And Jacob is very transparent. He really loved talking about how he negotiates and creates income. And then I was like, well, how can I do this and transfer it into podcasting? Because it's not travel blogging. I'm not a travel blogger, but how can I transfer this into podcasting? Danielle, I had literally talked to so many podcasters. I went to all of these events and nobody gave me anything. Like they would be like, you can do this, but like you have to do X, Y, and Z. And you have to be like getting all of these downloads. And I was like, yeah, but I got approached. What do I do? And nobody knew what to say. So that's really where it all started, where I was like, how can I take that approach, put it into podcasting and make this personally for me and for this medium, for this platform? Do you think that the notion that you have to have a huge podcasting platform, a huge audience is still relevant today? Do you think that that's still a misconception that people struggle with? I think it definitely plays a role in it. But if you have a specific niche that will go along with a company or a brand, it really doesn't matter to them as long as they're actually tapping into an audience that is ideal for their products or services. So you could have a podcast that 
gets listened to by a million people every month, but if only like a handful of them are the ideal customers for that brand, it doesn't really mean anything to them, right? Because it doesn't have the right ROI. But if you only have maybe a thousand, two thousand or five thousand people listening to your podcast every month, those five thousand or a thousand people are all the ideal clients for this brand, then it makes a lot of sense for them. So it's really just how you put yourself out there, how you negotiate, how you talk to a brand, how you talk through them. And also if you have the right audience. And that's another story because it definitely has to align with what you're doing. Because I know there's a lot of podcasts out there that's like, you can do whatever you want and you don't have to be specific on your audience. But once you start making money, it's a completely different ballgame. Exactly, exactly. For those who do have a smaller audience, how important is engagement? For example, having your listeners click on the links that you mention or go ahead and make a purchase. So these are all forms of engagement. How important is that for potentially working with brands down the road? It really depends on what the brand wants. So when I go through a negotiation, when I talk to a brand, I never promise anything. I never tell them, well, I did this with this brand and you can expect the same because it varies. It depends on what they're trying to give, what kind of products and services that they have. Sometimes it just really clicks with your audience and sometimes it doesn't. Or sometimes it takes a while for them to really trust, right? Because a lot of times brands would be like, I want to work with you, but only one time. Can we test it out? And I'm like, yeah, but that's not how it is. Like they have to really trust you. They can't just hear you one time and be like, yep, I'm ready to purchase. And if you think about it, whatever you watch on television or even ads on YouTube or even podcasting, you don't just hear or see something once and then automatically you're like, I'm going to buy it unless you absolutely need it at that time. So it really depends. It really depends on what the brand wants. Sometimes they just want to have brand awareness and sometimes they want that click through. So you have to kind of gauge on what is important to them and also what's realistic for you and what you can do with your audience. Excellent. And this actually segues to what do you think that brands are typically looking for when they are working with podcasters. Because I also know that there are a lot of brands who are excited about podcasting, but they just don't know how to go about it. They don't know what to look for. So what do you think that they're looking for and how can we best position ourselves for success? Yeah, again, it really depends on the type of brand it is and if it aligns with your podcast. So You could reach out to as many brands, many companies as you want, as many products and services. But I always say that that is kind of a lot of work for you to do with very minimal results. That's why so many podcasters that I know usually get brand sponsorships from brands that reach out to them rather than when they reach out to the brands. And the reason for that is that most of the time they'll just reach out to anybody and hoping for the best. But if you're reaching out to brands who really align with your message 
it's a lot easier for you to negotiate a deal to talk about how can we help you and how is this really good for your awareness, for your brand awareness? And why is my audience going to maybe purchase or listen or read or whatever it is, the product that you have? So at the end of the day, if your podcast doesn't make sense with that company, then they're not going to want to work with you. And another reason why that's so important to be aligned with a brand is that when you do start negotiating, there's a lot for you to leverage. So I would say the most important thing is just make sure that you're reaching out to brands that really align with your message. And that's also what they're looking for. And it becomes a lot easier to talk to them, to negotiate and to kind of explain why you should work together. Yeah, a lot of the brands who have reached out to me or have had an interest in working with me have had a lot of questions. And it's kind of like I'm like mentoring them and like keeping them updated and letting them know how this works because it's very different than blogging, very different than actual YouTubing as well. It's a very different medium. Our listeners behave differently. So there's a lot to consider for sure, for sure. So one of the things that people say is quite important, but I would love to get your take on this is, is creating a media kit necessary? If so, what sort of details should we include Or is it not even a thing in 2022 and beyond? Yeah, I have spoken, I've negotiated a lot of deals and probably 80% always ask for a media kit. So I still think it's definitely relevant. And the reason why is that you can say a lot with your media kit without the back and forth, right? Because most of the time they'll ask you, okay, what are your downloads? Who are your demographics? Like, what have you done? So instead of just typing all of this stuff out in an email, you can have a media kit that's already done and it's just a lot easier for you. And also it'll look super professional and you can impress them that way. And again, for me, it's just the ease of it. I don't need to go back and forth. It's like, okay, here are all of the questions answered plus more. So some of the things that you definitely need to include is a short bio so that they can understand who you are. Also talk about who your audience is. Obviously, you should include your downloads and who your audience are. Again, like maybe they're they're mostly in the United States or... Are they male or female? They do want to know all of that stuff because, again, it depends on the products that they have because there are certain companies that will only work with you if 80% or more of your audience is in the United States because that's their target market. Also, the age range also matters. So that's some of the things. And obviously, if you have experience working with other companies already, you can add that in. And if they have any reviews for you, that's also really helpful. So those are just some of the things. But I always say to tailor it to each company as well. So that that would be helpful. Yeah. Another thing also that I found is, especially as a beginner, when I was starting, there were a lot of questions that the brand still had even though I had put a lot of information on my media kit. So whenever a brand does reach out to you with a question that's not addressed, 
add that in, right? It's a living document until it gets to a place where, you know, it answers all their questions and it can make the conversation negotiation process a lot more smoother. So it is a lot of learning and improving based off of what you're getting from the brands and what they're asking for. So those are great, great, great insights. All right. So overall, before we move into your coaching, which I think is so unique, what would you say to podcasters who are listening to help them to make their podcast more attractive to brands if they do actually want to go the brand deal and sponsorship route? What should they be thinking about and doing? For me personally, since I really didn't start this podcast to make money, it was just, and even now I say this, it's just to really create content that is super helpful for your audience. Because before anyone even comes to pay you to add ads on there, it has to really attract the right audience. So if you are creating content that is not only attractive to brands, but also super helpful. I mean, those two really go hand in hand because if you're just coming in, unless you're entertaining someone, well, there's two things or you can do both with your podcast. It either has to be helpful or it's entertaining or it can be both, right? So those are the things that you really have to understand. And that's subjective because (laughs) what you may find entertaining and helpful, you know, subjective to another person, but how I went about it is that I had the same problems as my ideal audience did. And I also talked to people who wanted to get into the lifestyle. I also looked at and I did some research and I looked at like Reddit, Facebook groups, what were their questions? And I started answering those. And those really helped me because sometimes you just don't know what to ask if you're an interviewer or if you're a solo podcaster, you don't know what topics to include. So those are really helpful. So just do your market research, really understand what people want to hear from you and what you love talking about. And then you're going to start getting people to come to you. And it's not overnight. I do want to stress this. So if you just started your podcast, don't feel like you're failing. Don't feel like you have to redo things unless your audience is telling you to, or it just doesn't feel right to you. Because it took me, you know, I'm almost at my five years and we're still steadily growing. So for a very long time, it was kind of stagnant. And then it just started growing, growing, growing because of the consistency. So Yeah, it takes a while. It's not like you're going to be Joe Rogan overnight. Joe Rogan wasn't Joe Rogan (laughs) in a day or even a year, right? It took him a really long time to do it. So yeah, if you love it, just continue to do it. And at the end of the day, the money is great. Obviously, it's very, very important. But you have to focus on something that you're doing that you also enjoy so that this could have longevity. Yes. I think for me, I'm also approaching my four-year mark. So I'm one year behind you. But the consistency for me, of course, it's the practical of having time to do it. But also loving what you do is so important. And I have a similar story where I just started podcasting because I just had a passion for it. I just wanted to talk to people about personal finance and money and travel. And now it's become a big part of being location independent. I don't have a nine to five anymore. So it's grown a lot over the last four years, but it definitely takes a lot of time and a (laughs) lot of work to get to wherever you want to go, whatever that is for you. So I think this is a great segue in terms of why I sought you out initially. For me, you were my podcast monetization coach. 
because I knew that there was a lot of work involved when it comes to monetizing our podcast. And I also sort of wanted a little bit of a shortcut, let's say. (laughs) I really didn't want to like grind it out to try to do all this trial and error, which is why I do appreciate services that you provide as a podcast coach and podcast monetization coach. And we were able to work together. And for me, the value was that I learned how to go out and fish, like analogy, right? So I didn't know how to fish. I learned how to fish. Now I can go and catch my fish. So I found working with a coach very, very, very helpful. So what inspired you to start your podcast coaching program? And if you can just share with everyone, like, what do you help your clients do? Yeah, absolutely. So what I do, and so this is the thing, I don't usually work with a lot of people. And I'm very, very careful with who I work with. And the reason why is that I know a lot of people say they want to monetize their podcast, but most of them are not ready. They'll say it, but then they won't actually do it. Right. That's why Danielle was like, oh my gosh, when I started talking to you, when I first did a consultation call with you, I'm like, this is a girl who's ready. Like she has done her stuff. Like she's not only saying it, but she's actually taking action. So you're like a coach's dream come true, first of all. So for me, I really started it because I got people to start asking me like, hey, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? Can you teach me how to do it? So it wasn't something that I was just like, oh, ding, ding, ding. I'm going to start this now. It was people really coming to me and being really confused about how to do this. Because like I said before, not many people know how to do it. And then a lot of the things that they teach you don't really work and they're not personalized. So that's one of the things that I really pride myself in doing when I am working with somebody is that I have to understand first what it is that they want from this. What kind of lifestyle do you want? Like, I know you want to make income from your podcast, but what is the reason? Is it because like with Danielle, she wanted to leave her nine to five. Like she wanted to be able to do all of these things with her life that she never had before. She wanted to start a family. And also I talk about what type of monetization process is going to align with the lifestyle that you have. So that's really what I focus more on than just making the money because you can make money doing anything, right? Even with your podcast, you can do coaching, you could do products, you could do brand sponsorships, you can become a speaker, but what is going to align with your ideal life? And that's really what I talk about and what I get out of the people that I work with is that, okay, this is X, Y, and Z. You can do this. Now start making money. No, (laughs) I always hated and I've like, oh my gosh, Danielle, I've paid for so many coaching. Like it was ridiculous how much money I spent. And one of the things that I never got was that personalization, like them actually asking me, hey, what is your ideal life? What is your perfect life? Like, where do you feel like you really love your life to be or even the way you work? right? Because some people don't want to be speakers. They don't want to be on stage. Some people don't want ads. Like some people love coaching and some people are extroverts. Some people are introverts. So it's like, what is it that's going to make sense with your life? So that's what I was missing when I had coaches. And that's when I was like, okay, when I start working with my clients, I'm going to really think about them and their real purpose and what they want in their life so they can be happier like I am because I'm like I love what I'm doing and I love the way I work and 
I love Mondays and every time I wake up, I love everything that I do. Obviously, it's not always perfect, but I don't want people to be like, well, this is just like my nine to five. Like, why on earth did I do this? Now I hate making this kind of money, you know? So that's really what I offer that I think is so different from other coaches because most of the time it's kind of like a one size fits all. But I'm more about like having freedom the way you want it and not the way I tell you to do it. Yes. And that attracted me to your coaching program for sure. That personalization. I uncovered things that I actually hadn't been thinking about. Like it was like dormant dreams or dormant (laughs) aspirations. And we're able to like uncover that and put together a game plan. And after the coaching program, I remember actually during the coaching program, I got my first sponsor that was like super exciting. And of course, I had a million questions (laughs) to try to figure out like, what do I do? What do I say? But we secured the bag. And a year later, I am doing really, really well, continuing on the sponsorship route. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about some of the results that you've been able to help your clients achieve. Like me, I've been able to continue sponsorships over the last year, which I'm very, very proud of. But that really started with your coaching program. Like you had mentioned, Danielle, it's really eye-opening for a lot of my clients to be like, okay, I don't have to be scared to talk to sponsors. And this is the thing that I always hear from my clients. It's like, I get really nervous. I don't know what to say because when they have these questions, like I don't know how to answer them. And I always say, it's kind of like, yes, they are interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them because you also have to make sure that it aligns. So that's one of the things that a lot of my clients or most of them really get is understanding that there's nothing to be scared of, right? It's just you negotiating and it's not just the brands that are getting something from this. You also have to get something from this and it has to align. And specifically talking about you, Danielle, I remembered when you and I first spoke, you weren't a mom yet. And one of the things that you had mentioned to me was like, in five to 10 years, I want to be a coach and I want to have like five kids and I want to do X, Y, and Z. And then I was talking to you and I was like, why wait? Why wait five to 10 years when you are literally in that trajectory right now? And then I think you did it pretty quickly and you started. Yeah. (laughs) getting, yeah, you started getting all of these clients, you started coaching and you're doing so well. So for me, like, those are the things that I really see. And that's why I say to you, I don't take in a lot of clients because I want to also, right. It's a way for me to also just make sure that the people that I work with will do what they say they're going to do. And like I said, Danielle was like a dream come true because she said she wanted something and I just gave her a little push and she was like, all right, I'm diving into this. Let's do this. And look where she is a year from now. You started a family, you're a coach. Like when we worked together, you were still in your nine to five. And that was one of the things that you also said you wanted to do. So I'm just in awe of Danielle because she's so badass. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, it all started with Debbie's push, (laughs) gentle, but firm push. And I also think knowing that I needed the help was really important. Like I knew when it came to sponsorship, it wasn't something that I could just read an article and be like, I got it. 
right? Like I really valued having someone to talk through strategies, even if sponsorships is for me. Like, is that really what I truly wanted to do versus other income streams that you could have? I also remember like early in the morning reaching out to you and being like, well, you know, what do I say? Like, how do I say this? They have questions. So it's just really, really helpful to have someone who is experienced and who is invested in your success in your corner. How do you know if you're ready to invest in a coach versus, let's say, reading a book or let's say taking a course, for example? I am a big believer that action is so much more important than book learn. And it's very important for you to not only just want something, but for you to actually do something about it, right? And not to say that you have to pay a coach to do that because you can take action without paying somebody to do it. You did it, Danielle, for a long time, right? You were taking so much action. I think you're finally ready to have a coach when you did everything on your own, right? But there's still something missing. And I'm being very truthful here. I think you should try it on your own first and learn certain things because it's different because you have a whole new level of understanding and also appreciation for a coach when they finally say, okay, this is what you were missing, right? Because if you just go ahead and start paying for a coach, first of all, you probably don't have the income yet on your podcast to do that. Second, you haven't tried anything first or anything at all. So when a coach tells you to do something, you're like, yeah, but what if I do this? Or what if I do that? And you're kind of like, I know better than you, even though this and that. And maybe that's true, right? Because we don't know everything. There could be things that you could teach us. Like Danielle teaches me every time I talk to her, she teaches me something new. But it's better to try it on your own first to see where you can go. And then when there's those missing pieces, then that's when you're like, okay, I really need the help now. Because there's something really valuable about figuring things out on your own. And again, that like appreciation when you finally hit that something that somebody else teaches you. But obviously you can do coaching at any time if you feel like it. But I feel like there's something in your mindset that really takes a different switch, like it turns it on. Once you have failed several times <laughs> and then know that these different avenues don't work for you. And it's also really helpful when you go into a coach and be like, I did X, Y, and Z. Was there something missing? Or maybe that just wasn't for me. What do you think about that? Rather than just like, I haven't tried anything yet. I just want to make this easy for myself. So just teach me everything that you know. So really that's when I feel like you should do it. Try it yourself for a little bit, fail a few times, and then see where it can lead you. And also, it's a good way for you to understand who the right coach is for you. Because hopefully, the coach will have a specific niche that they have. And you're like, okay, that's what I'm missing. I've been trying to figure that out. That's what I'm missing this whole time. Exactly, exactly. And that's exactly why I wanted you as a coach is because you were in the travel niche and you were doing the things that I actually wanted to do. I wanted to work with brands. I wanted to be profitable as a podcaster as well. So yes, I definitely think 
your coach really matters? Like what have they achieved? And is that in line with what you're looking to achieve as well has been really, really helpful. So for those who may not be necessarily ready to dive into a one-on-one coaching program, I know that you do have a resource. Can you share more about your profitable podcast resource? Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you, oh my gosh, I get so many questions from people on how they can start their podcast, how they can make this sustainable. And also like the technical part is, oh my God, I was so bad, Danielle, when I first started. Again, I had to learn through all of that. It's part of your growing pain. So what I ended up doing was I created this course, which literally has everything that you need. So everything that I learned when I first started from how to do the technical stuff, how to launch your show and every other questions that I get, I put on there has videos from my editor and he takes you through how to edit your videos to some tips on monetization, even email templates, everything is on there. So yeah, if you need that, I know most people that those are some of the questions that they ask. It's all in that one package that they can find. Yeah, I think it's a great resource to get started and to, like we said, try it out, experiment to see if any of these income streams are of interest to you, which ones you want to dive deep in on. And then of course, if you run into any more roadblocks, then consider something higher, like a coaching program or something like that. But this is a really fantastic fantastic resource. Debbie, this was so great to catch up with you and to talk podcast sponsorship in particular, which I think is very hot topic these days. Let us know what you have new coming up. Is there anything excited we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a big, big advocate of a freedom lifestyle. And that's really what my podcast and what my website is about. So if you're interested in that, you can always go to my website, theoffbeatlife.com. You can find my podcast and a lot of helpful resources for you there to start working remotely and start living a freedom lifestyle like I have been able to and Danielle has, because I think it's pretty awesome. So you can find me there. And where can we also connect with you on social as well? I'm mostly on Instagram. You can go to The Offbeat Life there as well. I have, you know, videos and things like that, but you can message me there too. All right. That is all for today's episode, WC Podcasters. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.